So as we continue our sermon series on evangelism, today I want to share the evangelical ministry of an evangelist from the New Testament and especially from the book of Acts. Now before we go there, you know, this morning we are ready to take the evangelism pledge. Shall we all stand? I believe that I am called to share, every one of you can read along with me, preaching the gospel is my duty. Holy Spirit is urging me to preach the gospel. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. I am responsible for those who are not believers yet. I am answerable if I don't share Christ with others. I am making myself available to share Christ with others. I am equipping myself. I believe church is not within four walls. I believe church is not only for the believers, church is for the unchurched too. I know the world out there is seeking for God. My faith cannot be contained within me. I must invite my non-believing friends to come and see. If they don't come, I must go to the place where they are. I believe that Jesus can save, heal and deliver. He uses ordinary people like me to achieve his mission. Lord, empower me. Give me the burden. Get me out of my comfort zone. I'm totally available for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And today, I want to talk about the ministry of Philip. Can you say Philip? You know Philip, right? Okay. So Philip from the book of the Acts. One of the evangelists are deacons of the early church by name Philip. Now, when I think about Philip, what really comes to mind, mind is the evangelical ministry he performed to the Ethiopian officials as he was riding in this chariot. And Philip, the Spirit of God spoke to Philip to go and join with him. And he went and ministered to him and explaining the reading portion that he was reading from the book of Isaiah concerning Lord Jesus Christ. So Philip went and ministered to him and he got baptized. He took a sudden baptism. And when baptism happened, Bible says, Philip disappeared and the Spirit of God took him away. You know, that is amazing. Spirit of God just took him away. So I want to title my sermon as Teleported Evangelist. Can you say that with me? Teleported Evangelist. Just don't worry about the technical or scientific or fictional term. I'll just hold on to the term and we'll come to know what it is. Teleported Evangelist. You know, there were two Philips in the Word of God. And especially in the New Testament or especially in the book of Acts, they were followers of Lord Jesus Christ. There were other two Philip, another two Philips in the Bible in the New Testament, they were not following God, but these two Philips were following Jesus Christ. One is the disciple by name. By name? By name what? What are we talking about? Philip, can you say that out loud? Philip, right? So by name, disciple by name, Philip. So that is one disciple, that one Philip that we see. And you know, he is the one who came along with Andrew and Peter by the village known as Bethsaida in Galilee. And when Philip came, he went and spoke to whom? Nathanael. And told, you know, Philip was a disciple of John the Baptist. And he went and told Nathanael, I have seen the Messiah. Amen? Gospel message. I have seen 
the Messiah. We're talking about the disciple Philip. And that's what he went and told Nathanael. And Nathanael also became Jesus' disciple. You know, that's the first Philip. The other Philip is known, is seen in the book of Acts in chapter 6, chapter 8, and in chapter 21. So, you know, this Philip is totally different from the disciple Philip because this Philip is known as Philip the Evangelist or Philip the Deacon. Now, it is often assumed this Philip was probably one among the 72, you know, people, if you remember, Jesus sent out a couple of them. And as they were ministering, you know, to different people, probably this Philip, the deacon or the evangelist Philip was one among those. But, but again, there is no biblical evidence to support that. Now, you know, if you, if you remember in Luke chapter 10... You know, that's where Jesus was calling a couple of more people and sending out them to evangelize and to minister apart from his own disciples. Probably it is assumed that, you know, Philip was just one among them. Now, now we know that this Philip that we are talking about this morning, he was one among the seven deacons the apostles appointed in Jerusalem. Now, in the early church, there was a problem. The apostles were trying to manage the church. And when they were managing the church, you know, there are 3,000 people, there are 5,000 people got added to the church. And there is just you know, a couple of the apostles, they were trying to manage the church. And there was a great problem. You know, some group of people, they complained saying that they were not really taken care during the daily distribution of food. We all have complaints. Yes. It's good to have complaints, right? You know, many times we see children, you know, complaining about so many things to the parents, you know, that's the way to get things done. If you don't complain, you don't get it. If you don't ask for it, we don't get it. That's true. You know, the, the, the people had a lot of trouble and they came to the disciples and said, we are neglected in the daily distribution. We are not taken care. Nobody is there to care for us. And you know, Bible says, apostles, they all came together, John, Peter, you know, all of them, they all, they all just came together and they decided, we will appoint seven individuals. And those seven individuals will be full of Holy Spirit. Can you say that with me? Full of Holy Spirit and wisdom. And we will appoint those seven individuals and they will take care of the daily distributions and the apostles will continue to remain in prayer and preaching the word. So that the word can go out and people can get saved. And this Philip was one among the seven. So shall we open up our Bible? Acts chapter 6 verses 5 and 6. Acts chapter 6 verses 5 and 6. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon. Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they lay hand, laid hands on them. So Philip was one among them, along with Stephen. You know, they were among the seven people, those who were identified to do the ministry of the daily distribution of the table. You know, one of the qualifications that was required for Philip to be part of this team was that full of Holy Spirit and wisdom. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Better amen? amen? Amen. Now remember, Jesus said what Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, 49. This is what Jesus said. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but you wait in Jerusalem or tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are 
endured, endured with power. That simply means until you are clothed with power or until you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you stay in Jerusalem. Just do not move further, move anywhere from on high. So Jesus told the disciples, before you do anything, once I am gone, you are going to wait in Jerusalem. For what? For Holy Spirit. And how the scripture describes, endured with Holy Spirit, endured with power. That means, you know, you are clothed with power, power from above coming upon you to identify you, to separate you for ministry, for ministry purposes. And you know, disciples obeyed. And you know what? All the 120, I'm sure this Philip was one among them. They all gathered in the upper room. And the Spirit of God, God came upon them. And God filled them with the Holy Spirit. And there was, there were salvation happening. There were water baptism happening. And there were filling of the Holy Spirit. And all this were happening in the earlier days as the church started growing. Now, what was the responsibility of Philip? To serve the table. What does it mean by serving the table? Philip has to distribute food. And for distributing food, what he needs? Come on, speak to me, speak to me. What he needs? Holy Spirit. Even to distribute food in the church, they need Holy Spirit. And who did that? Who said that? The apostles. They said, we identify seven individuals who are filled with the Holy Spirit and they are full of wisdom. Even to serve the table. Even to serve the table. And how much more you and I need today to serve God. The same power that came from above. And we need to be endued with that power. So Philip was full of Holy Spirit. Let's move further. And you know what? Philip was willing to play a support role there. Philip's role was not a major role. Are you with me this morning? Amen. So Philip was not playing a role, major role. He was not standing in the pulpit and preaching. Or he was not you know, really going out and do the evangelical work. No, 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 no. He's not into that even. And what he was doing, he was just doing what is necessary and what is a support role that is required in the church so that the apostles can remind preaching. They can remind praying. And Philip was just playing a support role. He was in one of the elected deacons of the early church. And he had a responsibility to serve the table, to take care of all the needs of the people, to make sure people are doing good. You know, there is no complaint. Everyone is taken care. It was not a main role, but it was a, the, but the main role was played by the apostles. They are the one who are preaching. They are the one who are praying. And they are the one who are laying hands, you know, and praying. And they were involved in busy, you know, ministry activities. But Philip was playing a support role. You know, remember that role is basically, you know, at times we feel that that role is not important, but that role helps someone else to preach the gospel. That basic role helps, you know, people to go and pray for others, lay hands on the others so that demons can leave, so that sick can get healed, and people can receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit, like Peter and John went into Samaria, and they are the one called to lay hands on people and pray. But the role that Philip was called to play, you know, we are also trying to understand the characteristics of Philip here. As we take this sermon through, even though it was, a, it, wa it was not just a main role, but Philip was playing a support role in the church. And a support role is very important. You know, to Sunday morning you see here what is happening on the stage. But there is so much is happening even before that. Even from weekday for day one. 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, when you do all these things, when you do all these support roles in a proper way, then only we will be able to come and stand here and minister to on a Sunday morning. There is so much preparation needed to do the work of God. Amen? You know, and God expects us to play the role that we are playing currently in the church. And Paul says, we should be able to preach in season and out of season. You know, Sometimes, you know, I just check with people, you know, what's happening today? You, I couldn't see you in the church. They say that, Pastor, I was not well. Or Pastor, Sunday morning, uh, I was raking the mud and then you know, trying to put grass in front of me, in front of my house. Sunday morning, guests came suddenly. Oh, that's the reason I couldn't come to church on Sunday morning. I asked them, or sometimes they say that I don't feel like coming on Sunday morning to church. So I'll ask them really, can I also say that I don't feel like coming on Sunday morning to church? What do you think? It's a good idea? You say, no, 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 no. How can you say that? You are a pastor. How can you say that? Sunday morning you have to be here at 8 o'clock because 8.30 is the service, Malayalam service. How can you say that? And I believe the same thing is applicable to all of us. Amen? No, you won't say amen to this. Amen? <laughs> Right, so, so Philip was playing a very supportive role. He's not seen in the stage. He's not seen by anybody. But that role was very important because even that role requires the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That role requires the power of God. Number three, let's move further. And what he was doing, you know, before, before we really go there, I want to share something with you. There was a great persecution broke open in Jerusalem. Can you ever imagine? The church is set up. 3,000 people, 5,000 people coming on every Sunday morning and serving God. Amen. So what is the biggest, biggest church in India? Pastor Sadish Church? Yes? And how many members gather there? One lakh. So one lakh people gathering on every Sunday morning. So how much is one lakh? 100,000. Thank you. So 100,000 people gathering under one roof. Is it same roof? It's a big auditorium, big hall. Okay. Or three services together, one lakh? So let's say, forget 100,000, let's say 35,000. Is that half of it? No, 33,000, whatever. So 33,000, right? People, 33,000 people coming and gathering, or whatever thousand, number of thousand coming and gathering under one roof. Why did I say this, by the way? Okay, that was the size, that, was the, that is the size of the church. Now we can imagine today. Right? It's in Andhra Pradesh. Now, you can imagine church in those olden days, 3,000 plus 5,000 and maybe a couple of more thousand, at least you know, 10,000 people gathering together. And Bible says there was a great persecution. The Roman emperors, they realized there is a Jesus movement. The Jews, they realized that there is a Jesus movement. They are trying to destroy the traditions of Judaism. They all rose against these Christians. And Bible says in the book of Acts, the church was scattered everywhere. All around Judea, all around Samaria, people were scattered everywhere. And where is our dear Philip? Philip ended up being in Samaria. Can you say Samaria? Philip was found in Samaria. People all went to different, different places and then started preaching the word there. I mean, they were not just sitting idle. They were just making home churches. They were making many number of churches here and there. And Philip went to Samaria when persecution opened. So Philip left Jerusalem and he went to Samaria. 
Now, what did he do? Let's read Acts chapter 8, verses 5 to 8. Acts 8, 5 to 8. Then Philip, can you read that with me? Then Philip went down to the city. Can you all read with me? To of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded, means listen, the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Verse 7 For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was a great joy in the city of Samaria. Philip went to Samaria and he started preaching and sharing about Jesus Christ. Now, his responsibility in Jerusalem, what was his responsibility in Jerusalem? Are you with me? What was his responsibility in Jerusalem? Serving. Serving the table. His responsibility in Jerusalem came to an end. And now he is in where? He is in Samaria. And what he was doing in Samaria? He started preaching and he started sharing about Christ to others. And God did so many things. The previous verse, verse 7. You know, God did so many things, so many miracles. Unclean spirits were crying out with a loud voice and coming out of many people who are demon possessed. And, you know, many who were paralyzed and lame. They were all just getting up and walking as Philip was ministering to them. You know, this morning I'm here to tell you in Jerusalem, he was serving tables. But God raised him up. Amen. God raised him up to a level where God is going to be used, going to use Philip in a mighty way that there are many more are going to come to know the Lord God. The only reason why Philip continued to do that is number one, there are a couple of reasons. Number one, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, when we receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit, when we receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit, he is always with us. He will always urge us to do something for God. To do something for God. You know, when we ask children, children of the age of eight and above, to come and get filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it is so important because even in the later age, when they go away from God, the Spirit of God is still upon them. And He will bring them back to the fold of God. You know, that's the reason your children need to receive the Holy Spirit. It's not a doctrine of Pentecostalism. It's not a doctrine of a Pentecostal church. It is the word of God. It is the word of God. All of us need to be filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Amen. And if any of you have any doubt, come and talk to me directly. And I know you all have questions, right? Because, you know, some of us don't come from Pentecostal background. I thank God for you. You are all here listening to me. Right? So as pastor, you know, this morning he mentioned he came from a CSI background. There's nothing wrong. I know there are good godly people there in the church of South India, we call it as their Protestant church, like another you know, Baptist church. They are people of God. At, time, at times I have seen you know, them to be more diligent, more sincere than us, than the Pentecostals. Because we know the, we know the power of God, but they river, river before God. And they humble themselves before God. They don't take things for granted. It's okay. But what we need is the blessing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when God touches our children, that's for lifelong. You know, their life is guaranteed. No matter wherever they go, God will bring them back. Philip, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, now went to Samaria. And when he went to Samaria, 
he started preaching gospel he started sharing gospel you know when gospel becomes our lifestyle you know we start serving christ always with others it doesn't matter whether we are in the in our workplaces how many of us shared gospel in our workplaces can i see one hand two hands three hands thank god for them you know no matter whether where we sit we still want to share christ to others because without christ they are going to the eternal hell or you know sometime you know we may be in our school or we may be in our airplane it doesn't happen always it's very tough to share christ with somebody who is sitting next to you you know if your wife is sitting next to you it's okay you can still share gospel but when you are not with your spouse traveling alone somebody who is sitting next to you tra- sharing christ, i mean i have not done that sorry i have not done that i'm not i cannot boast it's tough i want to do it but there is something preventing me preventing me from doing it asking him do you know christ do you know if something happens to this airplane now where will you go and i don't want to ask that right when gospel becomes our lifestyle we always want to share christ you know the, the outreach ministries that we are trying to do forcefully we are taken out of our comfort zone thrown into the world and standing in front of somebody who's a total stranger to you and you are asked to share christ <laughs> we need to do that it's tough initially once you start doing it just a piece of cake because it's not you doing it it's god it's the holy spirit it's the holy ghost who is leading you and guiding you people sometimes they may oppose they may reject you or they may say that i don't want all these things or they may even use some bad words on you you'll handle it you'll handle it when gospel becomes your lifestyle philip ended up in samaria and he started preaching the gospel let's move further and he was really empowered by god to perform miracles let's read again acts chapter 8 verses 5 and 8 5 through 8 then philip went down the city of samaria and preached christ to them and the multitudes with one accord he did the things spoken by philip hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were oppressed possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was a great joy in the city so word of god was preached miracles took place and the demons were coming out paralyzed and lame were started walking and both men and women they were all baptized amen and when the church in jerusalem they heard there is a great revival happening in samaria you just need to be with me when they heard in acts chapter 8 that there is a great revival in samaria the apostle said come on let's go there to samaria to see what's happening there looks like you know god is using philip in an amazing way we want to go there and see what's happening and when they came over there there are hundreds and thousands of people gathered there in that arena where philip was preaching the word of god amen and when the preaching was over peter and john walked in the midst of the crowd and they started laying hands on the people over there and god anointed them with the holy spirit amen when peter and john laid hands on people there you know we see holy spirit coming upon them and they started speaking in tongues and started glorifying god you know speaking in tongues is not just given to you to just to speak speaking in tongues 
is a waste if you don't do anything for God. Speaking in tongues, if you keep it within yourself, it's not going to help anybody. You know, God is anointing us. God is enabling us to speak in the heavenly languages to serve God. Amen. And all of us, I believe, we want to serve God in one way or the other. We want to work for God. So that's the reason we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles came in Jerusalem, they saw all these things that were happening there in Samaria. Now what happened? This is an interesting story now. Acts chapter 8. Couple of scriptures. Let's read verse 26, 27. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. Amen. Now Philip got an angelic visitation. Suddenly angel appeared in front of Philip and told you need to get up from this place and where you need to go? You need to go up to a place called Gaza. Can you say that with me? Gaza. That's where you need to go. Angelic visitation is not, no, last week we talked about encounter, having encounter with God. Do you remember that? And God, Jesus had encounter with whom? Last week, just one week. Samaritan woman, good. So Jesus had an encounter with Samaritan women. Now we see an angelic visitation to Philip. Amen? The angels, God sends his angels. They are the spirit that God has given to you. Those who receive salvation. You know, God is giving you an angel assigned to you. And those angels can appear in front of you if God decides. Amen? How many of us seen the angels in vision? None of you? One, two... And I'm just asking you to raise your hands because it's just faith, right? So two, couple of you have seen, two, three of you have seen angels in visions? Yes, it is possible that still angels are around us. And even if we don't see, we believe because the word of God says, God will send his angel, angels and they will bear you up in their hands so that your foot will not dash against a stone. Amen. You know, angelic, angelic ministry belongs to the church. Angelic ministry belongs to every child of God. Now, Philip had an angelic vision and the angel said to him, Philip, you just get up from this place and go to Gaza. And on the way to Gaza, there was an Ethiopian eunuch. He was a man of great authority. He was a member of the court of Candace, the queen of Ethiopian. And he was sitting in a chariot. And he was reading the book of Isaiah. And he was reading about Lord Jesus Christ. And Spirit of God urged, urged Philip to go and run and join with that man. And Philip ran, overran the chariot. And he went and sat along with the man the Ethiopian eunuch who was reading the book of Isaiah. And when the Ethiopian came to know, it is Jesus Christ who came to this world. And he was broken at the cross for me. And Bible says, he got saved. The moment he accepted Jesus Christ, what is next? He said, can I be baptized? Can I be baptized? In the moment you accept Christ, the next thing in your spiritual journey is baptism, water baptism. And he said, Philip, can you baptize me? If there is nothing hindering you, can you baptize me? And there was a water. They found water and then they baptized. Bible says, Spirit of the Lord took Philip away or he transported Philip to a place known as Azotus. And the eunuch went on his way 
rejoicing. After the baptism, they both came out. You remember Jesus' baptism? When Jesus was baptized, he came out and he went into the desert to be tested by God. But here we see another story. Philip was baptizing this Ethiopian eunuch and after baptism, Spirit of God, Spirit of God took him. You're awake now? And how that happened? Right? Okay, it happened that way. Spirit of God took him. And Philip was caught up into the heaven. He was transported. And when he was transported, he went up in landing in Azotus, a place known as Azotus. Bible doesn't tell much about what was happening in Azotus. But the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord caught him, caught him away. And Philip was in different versions, put it in a very different ways. Philip was really forced. Philip was taken by force. Philip was carried. In the original Greek term, if you want to see, you know, the exact Greek term that is used is their harpazo. Can you say harpazo? Is that okay? Somewhere closer? Harpazo? Okay. Right. So, 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 you know, that's the original term. That harpazo, that means, you know, he was just teleported by God. Can you say teleported? Teleported, you know, it, it, it's very interesting. It's a supernatural disappearance from one place and then appearing in a different place place it was an instant transportation over space scientifically we may find difficulty to explain this it's a scientific term too when they talk about matters matter suddenly disappearing into another face so it was an instant transportation now when evangelism becomes a priority I believe God instantly move people from one place to the other can you listen to me when evangelism becomes the priority god instantly moves people from one place to the other now, i was thinking about it today we would not have teleported from our nation to canada but we were brought to Canada in a morning pastor was mentioning about there are many people they want to come to this blessed nation but God has brought you here I believe evangelism has become number one priority I don't know whether any, about the other churches but for HAPM evangelism has become a number one priority I never thought that I want to preach this series of sermon in this year but no 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 not at all but you know more than us more than all of us desire God is urging us God is urging us and I feel the urgency I feel the urgency the push the compelling force of God you know otherwise I'm not a person who will just listen to anybody and just come jump into it you know I keep hearing that we need to go out and tell you tracks for how many years now seven years Debbie the day when she came to the church she started telling me we need to go out and give tracks and when me and actually joined in a couple of you joined you know you always tell me we need to go I don't listen to all this but you know what God is urging us it's not a very comfortable place where I want to be, no. Don't think that I'm, I'm equipped to that fully. No, 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 not at all. I have the same fear that you have. I have the same hesitation that you have. But there is nothing, no other way. If God is compelling you to do something, better do it or die. If God is asking you to do something, get on to something. Just forget everything and just start doing things. Philip was in the same situation. He was, went, he was taken into Samaria and he finished his ministry there. Now he was taken. You know, some of us are transported to this church. At times I wonder how you are here. 
And when Balak came to this church, you know, we were wondering how there is no possibility at all for her to move to Halifax. But God made it possible. He is teleporting people today. I believe. When I see some of your faces, there is no reason why you are here. And I can't think about any reason that in my mind. But there is a reason why you are here. God is teleporting, bringing people. And when it happens, when evangelism becomes number one priority, Philip, Philip preached in all the cities. And finally, he came to Caesarea. Can you say Caesarea? We'll be done in a few minutes. And he was consistently pushing. He was consistently pursuing his call. Amen? Can you read that with me? He was consistently pushing his call acts chapter 21 verses 9 8 to 9 on the next day we are reading from acts chapter 21 now on the next day we who were paul's companions departed and paul luke and a couple of other friends they came to caesarea and they entered the house of philip the evangelist who was one of the seven and stayed with him now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied 20 years later, Philip came to Caesarea in Acts chapter 8. 20 years later, this man of God, he was still ministering in Caesarea. Acts chapter 21 verses 8 to 9. Paul and Luke and the other apostles were traveling to Jerusalem. Paul was on his final journey to Jerusalem. He came and stayed in the house of Philip. You remember there are four daughters. They were prophesying over Paul. And Agabus, he was another prophet. He came there and he prophesied, Paul, please do not go to Jerusalem because you are going to get killed. That took place 20 years later. He was a man of God. He was consistently pushing his call. You know, this morning, I believe we are all called. Otherwise, we are not here. We are here because we are called to be here. We are called to be listened to this this morning. Otherwise, we may not listen to this sermon. Bible mentions Philip, the evangelist. He was consistently pushing his call. And he was staying in Caesarea and doing the work of God. You know, it is important to consistently pursue the call of God in your life. You know, it's very easy to lose the call of God in your life. I, I believe I'm talking to some of you this morning. I believe that I'm talking to some of you. It is very easy to lose the call of God in your life. But God is urging you. And God is telling you, you need to consistently, constantly push to hold the call of God in your life. The call includes many things. Coming to church. Serving God, doing children ministry, evangelism, hospitality, even volunteering, ushering, greeting, you know, various things that we do. God wants you to push your call. And when you do that, we see God's work expanding. It cannot be just done by an ordinary man. Uh, sorry, one man. It cannot be just done by a small group of people. We all need to put our hands so that we will see the work of God and advancing. Amen. I want to talk about one of the second century churches called the Church of Smyrna before I close. Church of Smyrna was the second of the seven churches in the book of Revelation to whom the Spirit of God was asking John to write letters. And the Church of Smyrna was a suffering church. It was a persecuted church. The members at Smyrna were very poverty stricken. They are very poor people. Such a membership is what Church of Smyrna had. And we read this in the book of Revelation. By the time the book of Revelation was written, 
Emperor worship was very compulsory in the place of Smyrna, where God has planted, had planted a church. Emperor worship, listen to me, was very compulsory. The churches were persecuted because they were not willing to bow down to Caesar and they are not willing to burn incense in the temple that were dedicated to Caesar. Churches were persecuted. The Christians who refused to obey the emperor's degree, they were marked men. They were identified and they were called traitors. And they were you know, doing something against the government. Now to be a Christian in the Roman emperor at that time is like living in risk. Very great risk on that day. Amen? And I'm talking about the church of Smyrna and the struggles the church was going through. Believers were tortured for their faith. The famous uh, bishop of the Christian church by name Polycarp served in Smyrna between 115 to 156 AD by name Polycarp. The persecution of the church in Smyrna did not stop even at the time of Polycarp. It continued as a result of many believers were killed because of the persecution. And now it did not leave the church of Smyrna. The persecution came to the church of Smyrna too. The pastor of the church in Smyrna was a student of the disciple of John, the apostle. And he was gone. John was gone. But his student, Polycarp, he was the pastor in the church of Smyrna. And he was the messenger. Or he was the angel to whom Christ spoke these words or wrote these letters to John, to the angel of the church of Smyrna, Polycarp. Polycarp's ministry ended in February of AD 156 when persecution of Christians came to Smyrna and it severely increased and they were tortured, even people were tortured and they were set on fire and they were thrown into the, to the wild beasts. Polycarp at the age of 86 marched into the amphitheater where a mob was waiting to see what form of cruel pleasure they would gain from the kind of torture or from the violent death that they are going to give this man of God at the age of 86. Listen to me. There was an unknown voice from the crowd heard by everybody, including Polycarp. Be strong, Polycarp. Be strong, Polycarp. But no one knows who the speaker was. Now, as he stood before the proconsul, he was commanded to deny Christ. But this is what he replied. He said, 86 years have I served him and he never did me any harm. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? And the old man, he stood before the crowd in that stadium. The governor shouted, I will have you destroyed by fire unless you change your attitude. Polycarp answered and Polycarp, this is what he said. You threaten me with fire which burns for half an hour or an hour. After that, it will be extinguished. But you are ignorant of the fires of the coming of coming judgment or the eternal punishment that is reserved for the ungodly. But why do you delay? Bring on it on over me. Bring on what you will over my life. The crowd gathered wood and threw torches on heap of the wood. Their hatred was bitter, so bitter that they cheered as the godly man was brought into the stake. As the flame be began to curl around his body, Polycarp prayed, I thank you that you have graciously through me worthy, thought, sorry, thought me worthy of this day and for this hour that I may be part of the number of martyrs to die for Christ. Amen? Perhaps we have become so refined in our teachings today 
that we don't have time really to think about the shout of the martyrs. We have softened evangelism so comfortable to our lives that we don't listen to the cry of the martyrs who are dying in the forefront. You know, martyrdom or persecution is not strange to Christianity. Christians throughout the time they have been persecuted, even the last year was considered as the most persecuted year in this century. Where Christians are set, you know, set on fire and they were shot to dead and they were, they, were, they were beheaded. Even today we see that happening in many countries and we know, who knows? Some of us who are alive here, we don't know if what, call, what kind of call God has for us before we enter into heaven. Who knows that some of us may suffer for the kingdom of God. But until that time, God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Until that time, God wants us to play the role, whatever we are asked to play in the church. Until then, God wants us to share Christ wherever we go. Until that, God wants us to you know, help people to experience the blessing of God in terms of receiving the Holy Spirit and receiving miracles in their lives and healings and deliverances. God wants us to use us and he wants us to consistently pursue the call of God. Amen. Shall we all stand for a moment this morning?